Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman and a bloody good fellow, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well, Matt. I hope you're doing a fine this evening. I am spiffing. It's hammering it down outside. Uh, so I'm enjoying the warm, the warm warmth of my front room and the warmth of your company. Is, uh, is Florida bidding you well this past week uh it, it, we are back into like uh early summer heat already so it's like in the 80s um jesus it might drop back down who knows but yeah it was it was cold for a couple of weeks and then this week was back to like it's highs of 80s and uh lows of like 60 and so it's it's been a, it's been fine it's not like hot hot but um i will talk briefly about a very hot day uh this past sunday and when i get to our bloody awesome segment but Apparently, the weather's saying it's going to drop into the 40s again on Thursday because that's what Florida does. It's super bipolar; like it's hot, hot, yeah, hot, and then cold for like two days, and then hot again. So, so we'll stick around later on to hear about the hottest day of the year over here. That would just be, I don't know, about 20 degrees Fahrenheit. But um, well, for those new to the bloody awesome movie podcast, we always talk about the weather because that's what we do. But yeah. we take one film, uh, usually the biggest release of the week. But as we always say, pandemic has kind of prevented that. So we've kind of turned to streaming films an awful lot. Uh, and this week is no different. So for a non-spoiler review, so fear not, non-spoiler review of Netflix's The White Tiger, directed by Ramin Bayrani, written by Bayrani and Aravind Adiga. And it stars Adarsh Garav, Rajkumar Rao, Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Vijay Moria. Uh, and the White Tiger tells the epic journey of a poor Indian driver who must use his wit and cunning to break free from servitude to his rich masters and rise to the top of the heap. So Bong Joon-ho wrote something about that recently. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 90, or have, have, have it down as 91% for the critic rating, 76 for Metascore, and the IMDb user score is a very decent 7.2. And as I just, as I just mentioned, internationally, it's available via netflix and one last time non-spoiler so you haven't seen the white tiger we're not going to spoil anything uh, other than what was in that synopsis we've given you the synopsis that's you know we may talk about that but no major plot points so fear not so for the white tiger it's been getting some decent buzz and i was quite excited to sit down and watch this i watched this very recently and it's basically a rags to riches story you know it's showing its socio-political socio-economic commentary about the class or the chest divide in india the massive gap from rich and poor uh, and one man's uh, one man's adventure mission to bridge that and become an entrepreneur and um i thought it was all right i thought this film was okay uh, i i thought it was very well acted but I, for me i felt it lagged a little bit too much the ending felt a bit rushed uh it was tonally it felt a bit off as well um but the, as I mentioned, the performances were were quite good in this. I really thought that Adash Gurav was very good leading the film, uh, and everybody else was good. So uh, performance wise, very decent. Uh, it looked good, like in terms of the cinematography, that was presented very well. As I say, it's uh, 
It shows the massive gap between rich and poor, which is the entire point of the movie. It doesn't shame poverty. It doesn't glorify poverty. If anything, it's the other way around. And I mean, the, the rich are really portrayed as absolute, yeah, not very nice people. But there, there is nothing glamorous here. Absolutely nothing glamorous here. And that is uh, Bayra- Raymond Bayrami's uh, intentional choice here. This isn't meant to make you feel think, oh, this is a this is a great tourist advert or or anything other than that, other than you know the the struggles that we face in this film. Um, the parasite comparisons are there. It's not quite the same film. There's parallels. It's not quite as good either. But uh, I, that was the first thing I thought when I read that synopsis before watching the film. But um, yeah, so top level for me. I liked it. I thought it was very. I, I thought it was okay. It wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be. It lagged a little bit. It took until halfway for me to really get going. And that's when the character development of our lead character really, really uh, went into overdrive. And um, yeah, that's really all I can say. When I watched it, I wasn't bored through it, but I wasn't ever kind of like, God, I need to know what's happening. I need to know where this is going. I have to know. Uh, if anything, I was just kind of more into like, again, the that socio-political side of it, which was... Uh, which wasn't subtle. So, uh, John, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. What did you think of this, man? Yeah, I liked it uh, quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say I loved it. Uh, like it's not. It's not a five star movie for me. But it is. It's. It's like a four star. I think it's. It's super engaging. Um, I definitely love the performances. Uh, as you mentioned, Adarsh is is fantastic in the lead, um, and that's important for this movie because he is a complex character. He's not a. Um, it's not completely 100% clear what is going on at first. Um, I like the kind of the plot structure of the film where it's a man telling his story, but you know, it kind of, it filters back and forth between that in a way that's, I thought was compelling. Um, I, uh, I didn't know anything about the movie going into it. I didn't really know what the premise was going to be. I didn't know why it was called the white tiger. That becomes a little more obvious as, as we get into the movie. Um, the, there's some, as you said, it's not subtle with its commentary, but I think it's, um, an important one to kind of still bring up the cast system, even if it is different, uh, than it, than it used to be. Like we were taught the cast system when I was in high school about like India's cast system. It's not the same, but it's still real messed up. And, uh, this movie depicts that in a, a compelling way. And I think like you said, it kind of flips the script where the poor are the ones who are. Um, they're not looked at, they're not looked down upon where the, the rich kind of are, even though I, I also liked um, Raja Kumar Rao. I thought he was really good as uh, a shook or a shok. Um, I, I liked, I liked the dynamic and the chemistry. And I, I thought his character was really compelling because of the direction the movie takes it. Um, I think it threw me for a loop a few times in, in a good way, like where I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. There's uh, the director has not done a lot of things that I've seen, but I have seen 99 homes as Raman Barani, which I really like a lot. It's Andrew Garfield, Michael Shannon, and it's about the Florida housing crisis, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that movie's really, really compelling and good as well. I have not seen any of his other films, um, but he did do the uh, Michael Shannon, Michael B. Jordan Fahrenheit 451, uh, which I think was like an HBO original or something. Um, but you know, I like 99 homes. I like white tiger. Clearly he's got some, something to say about how the poor are treated, which is compelling filmmaking. You know, it's compelling storytelling. You, it, you know, you hear this voice of the, the 
the voiceless essentially through these films. Um, this movie, you know, I, I really think it lands because of the performances. If they weren't on top, like they are, it, this movie could have easily just been, well, white noise instead of uh, a tiger, right? Like it is, it does kind of, um, it grabbed me. I was, I kind of went into it like, I guess, you know, whatever. And I was even a little relieved that it, uh, it wasn't subtitles for the most part. Like it, most of the movie is in English, not because I, I have an issue with subtitle movies, but because it means I have to give it a hundred percent of my attention to catch everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh good. I can kind of, you know, look at my phone every once in a while. It'll be all right. But I found myself not wanting to look at my phone cause I was really pulled into the story and stuff. So that, that, was a good sign because that doesn't always happen with the Netflix originals, right? Like sometimes yeah. I, they're super forgettable. They're just on in the background. They're literally background noise. And this movie was like, no, no, you're going to watch me. I'm like, yes, yes, I will. And um, I do think it's interesting depending on where you look that Priyanka's uh, she's not always Jonas. It like on letterbox and IMDb. She's just listed as Chopra. I do know she's married to one of the Jonases. I don't know which one to be honest. I want to say Nick. I want to show my pop culture cred there. Mm. I was going to say Nick, but then I, I'm also like, maybe that's the only one I know, but no, Joe Jonas. I also know. Um, so yeah, but, uh, I, I thought she, she was really solid in this as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. and like, I've seen her in just a couple of movies. Um, Baywatch and isn't it romantic are the only two, I guess that I've seen with her and she's, I would say, probably forgettable and isn't it romantic and i don't remember baywatch at all like that's not her fault that's just she that was a villain i think uh yeah that movie oh really okay <laughs> i vaguely remember that movie that movie was was not good um but yeah uh she, i thought she did a really good job in this um you know and there is some interesting storytelling stuff because it's not just the flashback there's like it's it's all over the place with its structure like sometimes it's not 100 percent clear where things are in order at first, but then I, I thought it did a good job of like making it very clear by the end of where, what scenes were taking place when, and it all just kind of falling in together and making a lot of sense. So um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought, I definitely think it's worth people's time to check out. And from what I saw, it was trending in the top 10, which is awesome because it's not, it, while it's not a full foreign film in that it's not a, uh, for, from an American perspective, it is, um, there are still moments that are subtitled. And so the fact that, Americans are watching it. Another good sign. It's America has a bad habit of, of avoiding subtitled films. So I liked seeing that it was in like the top six here or top 10. Yeah. Get on the subtitled films. are some of the best you'll see. Uh, I think it was number seven in the UK trending. Uh, yeah, it is. It's the United States and India uh, joint production, uh, which is which Again, it's good because the, I say the lead the leading everybody in this film is Indian. Obviously that's good for getting these actors into the wider Stratosphere, obviously Priyanka Chopra is already already well in there. But Adash Gurav, I believe this is his first film. Uh, certainly is a leading man. I don't, I'm not sure if he's been in any other productions before. But um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you say, man. But it seems like you were more up on it than I was. It just wasn't quite sharp enough for me. It wasn't quite... I know exactly what it was going for. Like I said, it wasn't subtle, but it just didn't... Like, and like you said, structurally, it wasn't sound. For me, tonally, it was a bit off. And it just didn't feel sharp enough. It just didn't have that precision, which I thought it was going to have. And I was quite looking forward to it at the start, actually, when when the film opens and it's kind of like a, um, I bet you're wondering how I got to this situation kind of opening. I was like, okay, it's not, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. We're going to get some kind of like snappy, uh, 
uh, fu- not fun, but a, a snappy, fast pacing film. But um, to me, it wasn't. Didn't need to be either. But I don't know. The ending again. The ending felt a bit rushed as well. It kind of just felt like it was. You know, they had to find a way to wrap it up quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I know that this is based on a. It's based on a book. Is it? It's based on a book of the. It's a. Uh, I believe it's a Pulitzer Prize winning book uh, of the same name. So uh, Aravind Adiga, yeah, his who obviously uh, we've said wrote this, helped write this. Um, it's based on his based on his book. So it's based on that. So it's not Bayrami's original work. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's done this and he's done that. But I don't know. It was it was fine. This isn't one which I think. Do you know? Because I've seen a few people saying they watched this once and then they went back and put it on again. And I've seen some people say they watched it three times in a row. Wow. This, isn't, well, this isn't one I could see myself putting on again. Again, not because I didn't like it, but it's very much a case of I watched it, I enjoyed it, and, you know, what's next? Rather than I need to go back and look into more about this, I need to find out more about the original story. It's just, you know, it was. I just thought it was fine, man. Yeah, it, um, yeah, no, I, again, I, I, just a little more up on it, um, I, I do, I, I tend to click with like the, the darker kind of humorous tones that movie, this movie took, uh, which I didn't see coming as a lot of this was me not knowing what to expect from this movie. And it goes in some places that I was not prepared for it to go. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Then yeah, I like John, I would recommend people checking out as well. Check it out because it's may end up being your favorite film of the year. It may not, it may not do, but um, definitely check it out. Cause like John said, kind of a as close to an international movie as you can get without being fully subtitled just check it out these some of these films are the best you'll see and if, it, if it's a stepping point into the into a wider world absolutely check it out so um yeah mainly positive for the white tiger um so that was our non-spoiler review and now we're going to move into our next segment which is simply called chuffed headlines uh, myself and john we sift through pop culture news or movie news in the last week uh, for a headline or a story that's caught our attention for good, for bad, or for ugly reasons. Uh, and we have a little chat about it. Full spoilers in this case. So, uh, John, what headline have you gone for this week? I went with a uh, Star Wars headline, which is uncharacteristic for me, since that's usually your area. Um, yeah. Sorry to uh, preach to the choir, I guess. But Star Wars and franchises are luxury jail for actors, says John Boyega. This is an article from Screen Rant. Um and Boyega has been pretty vocal since uh, Rise of Skywalker about his, you know, not, not, he's not happy yeah. with how Finn was treated. And he's right. Cause Finn gets really dumped on in the, the last film, especially. And to, I mean, to a degree in, in uh, last Jedi, but I feel like last Jedi was setting something up for him that, that JJ just tossed to the side. And it's like, no, he's just going to scream Ray's name a lot. And um, Boyega uh, in this interview points out uh this kind of like luxury jail of of the franchise movies and um so it says working in franchise films requires committing to the same character for years but with much more travel press and training required than that of the average tv show while some actors might appreciate the opportunity to stick with the same role for that long others might feel suffocated by it especially when the character's arc remains largely stagnant Mm -hmm. um yeah and uh so you know it doesn't get to stretch his legs doesn't get to grow and um it's in relation. This was like during a press uh, briefing for um, Small Axe, and he's in the red, white, blue Small Axe, which is fantastic, um, and definitely recommend. I think he is fantastic in it, and like I am a big fan of Attack the Block. Um, so I was really, really, uh, I, I love Finn in Force Awakens. So I was really excited for what that character could be. 
um, I really feel like they they hint at some major plot plot stuff with him maybe being force sensitive that they completely seem to drop uh, from that point. And um, that's disappointing, which they explore in the Lego Star Wars Christmas quite well, I thought. Um, yeah. But better than the than the, the trilogy ends up doing. So, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, so uh, there's nothing major. It's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff we could have talked about. But I just thought, you know, it's it's an interesting perspective to take this idea of like a luxury jail. Because um, you, you can't go and do all the big projects or the small projects you might want to do at but you're also like getting paid a lot. So it's not like can't complain too much, but. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you, I can totally get what you're saying that there are some actors who probably like quite like the idea of sitting in one role for a decade and getting paid a lot of money for it. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. And doing, I mean, um, cool. uh, yeah, there are some actors who are now so synonymous with a role that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. He went to do the Sherlock films and, soon as he left the MCU, he um, starred in Doolittle. Um, yes. So that's enough to make him probably want to go back to the MCU. But I totally get what he means. That, you know, uh, Riz Ahmed came out into something very similar recently when he was promoting Sound of Metal. Uh, somebody said to him, you know, are you still interested in doing things like Venom and Star Wars? Because obviously he's in Rogue One. And he was like, nah, nah, that's not for me anymore. But it wasn't slamming it. It was just kind of saying, look, you know, I've be- I've done that but this is where I want to be going in my career now. I've, I want to be doing these kind of films and there's nothing wrong with that, especially when he's as good as he is in Sound of Metal as John would attest to. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can completely get what Boyega's saying. And look, Boyega's, speaking of Netflix, Boyega's uh, starring alongside Robert De Niro in a Netflix film coming up soon. It's like a Formula One racing crime film. So he hasn't done too bad for himself after Star Wars. So if anything, it's it, it was a luxury jail which gave him a jumping off port for project which he's probably wants to get his teeth stuck into now because uh this is what these things can do attack the block was a good start star wars is going to get you noticed same with daisy ridley uh working in kind of low budget british horror films and music videos and then gets to gig as ray uh and there's now i mean we haven't seen chaos walking yet but ophelia murder on Orient express is doing a lot of uh voiceover work for eastern uh eastern uh animated stuff and more with more stuff coming apparently as well. So sometimes you need these luxury jails to get further ahead. But I don't see there's a problem with anyone saying, look, I don't want to spend 10 years playing or spend my entire career going back to this same character. So I haven't got a problem with that, man. Nope. Nope. Not at all. What uh, What were your headlines for the week? Uh, my one was uh, one that which hadn't been... It hasn't been confirmed, but it's enough to get a lot of people very excited. And I imagine some people in the book house may have been excited by this, potentially. But it's the news that um, HBO Max have apparently, apparently greenlit or in the very early stages of developing a Harry Potter TV series. Harry Potter. Um, it's something which I've spoken about before with, with people that what can you do to keep Potter going? I mean, we've had the films, we've had the books, we've had the, the Cursed Child. There's the apparently wonderful like Harry Potter world in, at Disney or Universal. And there's a studio tour here in the UK. But what can you do? You know, you've got the game coming out on PS5. What is it? TV animated or, or new books? You know, it's, give, give my idea was to give other authors a chance to write Harry Potter. Obviously, um, Voldemort Rowling would be 
uh, overseeing it, but let other people have a chance to write Harry Potter and maybe breathe new life into it. But apparently HBO have said, now we want a TV series. None of this has been confirmed, just to say one more time. But um, who knows where, what it would be? Who, if whether they'd you know spend as much money as they could to get the original actors back, or if they'd you know go on a go post Hogwarts or something running concurrently to the main story. But um, I'm up for this because again, the Harry Potter franchise is worth you know it's a gold mine. It's worth money. You, you put anything out, fans are going to flock to it. They may not like it, i.e., Fantastic Beasts too. But um, the Harry Potter IP is too is too rich to just kind of let stagnate in the water now. So I was excited for this. And look, if there's a way they can bring back the old guard, brilliant. I'm not entirely sure they'd be able to do that. But uh, but um, what do you think about this headline? And are you up for a Potter series? Well, here's here's what I... I'm going to bring up several points of, of problems with this idea. Not the idea to do a Harry Potter show, but what seems to keep happening whenever they try to do this. Let's look at The Mandalorian. Let's look at Gotham. Mm-hmm. And then we can look at the uh, uh, the crimes of Grindelwald and the uh, Fantastic Beast franchise. Fear of letting go of the established characters is what's crushing these series. Yeah. If you look at the biggest complaints about Mandalorian from now, there are people who love all of the tie-ins to the Clone Wars and stuff. But mm-hmm. if you compare season one to season two, that is the significant change is that we have almost no references to the original films outside of the fact that we're in that universe. And then the second season is tons of tons and tons of character references. Now it's done well, but it still feels like you're lessening this, this product by making it have to tie into this other element. Yeah. Um, you look at Gotham when we were initially pitched Gotham at, before it went to, to uh, you know, actually being made. It was going to be young Jim Gordon. Now, Jim Gordon is an established character, big character, but he was going to be the cop. And it was pitched almost like a law and order of of Gotham where, you know, he's fighting the system. He's fighting the criminals and it would be much more grounded. No Batman. And then season one, what's the first thing that happens is Bruce Wayne's parents are killed. You're like, wait a minute. Hold on. I was under the impression somewhere that should have been the last episode of Gotham Mm -hmm. was the Wayne's being murdered. And that's. And boom, that's where it starts. It would have been really cool and compelling. Instead, they forced Batman into it because they were afraid to let the world breathe. And and that's what's wrong with the crimes of Grindelwald is that they had this idea or not the whole the whole thing. Fantastic Beast. The idea of following around in the magic universe and seeing all of the creatures and all of the, the, the things that we've only heard reference to getting to see it and explore the world with a new character who could have been an Indiana Jones esque adventurer yep. shoved into the exact same plot structure as the original film. There's a big villain who wants to destroy all the muggles like, Oh man, who we already did that. We already did that journey. We don't need to do it again with different names on top of it and forcing Dumbledore okay, you know, I love Dumbledore. Do we need to explore his youth again? Or if we do, let's just do a one-shot. We have to be willing to accept that we love the worlds that these characters exist in. You've built this fantastic fantasy land that we would love to explore. And that's where you see success with the novels from Star Wars, when they are willing to go, you know, Old old Republic, and now uh, the High Republic, right? That's the new series that they're doing. 
Uh, well, one of them, yeah. That's oh, one of them, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that, I can't. Who am I kidding? Disney's flooding the market with everything ah, Star Wars. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, but those those books often are are cut off from that original group of characters but they're within the world and people enjoy that there's evidence that people will enjoy it if the world is continued to be built and not you can't wreck it you can't break rules you can't change things suddenly that don't make sense or people will reject it but you don't have to tie everything back so if this series is going to be successful give us that give us what we were promised with the fantastic beasts and then ripped away give us the exploration of the world sans you know, evil looming. Like, do we need to have this overarching, like doom looming over all of the wizarding world to make it compelling? No, if you literally, if you made saved by the bell in Hogwarts, we would be game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the biggest drama is, is the bully of the week, or it's like the teachers farted in class and we we don't know how to react. Like, you know, give us a rom-com, you cowards. Right. Yes, exactly. You don't need the doom and gloom elements that we keep seeing placed on these things. Um, We can enjoy it for the world and the exploration of it. Um, It it doesn't always like at some point we've made it where uh, all of these like big franchises have to have the the stakes being the world is going to be destroyed. Like instead of just like a character's dream might not come true. Like that's, that's enough to be compelling because we can relate to that. We can relate to a character just wanting to like get through high school. We've all had to do it. It's always hard. Even if you have magical powers and you know, they're also to kind of parallel this, they're doing the same thing with Lord of the Rings over at Amazon right now. Are they going to do it right? Are they going to just try to rehash you know, the, the, the ring story, are we going to get another, you know, character finds the ring somehow. And you know what I mean? Like, are we going to get like a Gollum origin story? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need that. It's a vast land with all sorts of stuff and legends and, and lore to explore, not to rhyme, but you know, let, let's, let's do that. Let's have that. I'm in, if that's what they go with. No, I, I, you, I totally hear you, mate. You're not wrong at all. I, I said the same about the Mandalorian. Look, I dug every episode of that. But it's always, but I, when, when pressed on sessions, I've always said, which series did I prefer? So far, it's the first one because it felt more contained. It felt new. It felt like it, it felt, had that same vibe, but it didn't feel, it felt connected, but it, but as its own little thing. And now it's become part of, part of the, like the tapestry that we know and love. It doesn't quite feel like its own thing anymore. And now it's going to become even more interwoven with these 15,000 new yeah. show Disney Plus are putting out. It does kind of lose a bit of its uh, uniqueness. Not any, I'm sure it will be just as good, but it's uniqueness, which is why I was excited for, in terms of Potter, for the Hogwarts Legacy video game, which was coming out on, well, PS5, but also PS4. Because um, that's set uh, pretty, I think it's a while, a while before the Harry Potter saga is. Um, it's set in the 1800s at some point. Uh, but I think even that is about a student holds the key to an ancient secret that threatens to tear the wizarding world apart. Now, again, as long as that's got nothing to do with uh, anything that we may later tie in so intrinsically to the Potter saga, fine. We're in the world that we love. It looks different, which is a good sign. Are they going to are they going to grab that ball and run with it and give us something completely different, which is just another part? And like you said, it, these are huge worlds, and we love these worlds. But there has to, there does have to be that disconnect where you can have things happening in those worlds that aren't then connected to the other thing you've already seen in that world. You know what I mean? Like, 
things I do have got nothing, have, have no bearing on what happened, but 50 years ago in another part of where I lived. You know I mean, it's, it's just not everything is connected. And that's when it becomes small. Everything becomes yeah. a lot smaller and condensed if everything is just tied in. But, um, no, I, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I, I mean, I'm so, uh, let's see if this gets off the ground first. Let's see I'm if sure. it gets off the ground. What well, I wouldn't mind if they're going to do it. And if they did want to bring the legacy characters back, like, like you know, a cameo or two, have them kind of like in the background at Hogwarts. Oh, there's Mr. Potter's class. Look through the window. That he'd never do it, but oh look, there's Daniel Radcliffe as an aura teaching some kids. Five seconds later, right, let's move on. That may be fan servicey, but it depends. It depends on when it's set. If it's set not long after the end of Deathly Hallows, you probably kind of may have to expect that they may try and get them in somehow. If it's set in the future, or then or in a different part of that world, if they could get away with it, then we'll see. But like you said, the Fantastic Beasts had that chance and they blew it in terms of having its own thing. So I wouldn't be confident, but I'm, I would li- I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited or intrigued, dude. And I'm not even the biggest pothead. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I'm a... Man, I don't like to admit it. I think I might have been at one point a bigger Harry Potter fan than Star Wars mm-hmm. in that I've watched all the movies... And read all the books, which is not true of Star Wars, where I am simply a Star Wars movie guy. Um, And to be fair, there's a lot more Star Wars to explore that I just can't. Like, there's just too much. Um, Yeah, right. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm up for it. Again, um, I guess there's not a lot of faith with, with Warner Brothers and franchise building as they have failed in multiple franchises at this point. So it's just like, yeah. I guess because I did uh, Gotham must be connected to, to Warner brothers because of the DC property tie in. And yep. um, that was not, in my opinion, not good. I know a lot of people did like that show, but I just, it wasn't what I was looking for in the alteration of a story. You know, like I wanted it to be Jim Gordon's show and it was not in my opinion. I mean, yes, he was a main character, but Batman was always there. That or Bruce Wayne was always there, like looming in the background. No. No, I hear you. That would have been great. And, and it's that thing that excites me. Like the idea of Gotham being a crime, a crime thriller series set in Gotham, which doesn't rely on Batman. It's just Jim Gordon bringing down these, the mob basically with, you know, every now and then like an overarching villain, which isn't the Joker, which isn't Penguin or whatever. Um, would have been, it, that that kind of thing excites me more. Like we said, and without meaning to bang on it and carry on, but like, like the Mando, the gunslinger in the Outer Rim, intrigues me man because it's it's not we haven't seen it before it's still like gotham it's still that universe but it's something different which something which i thought and a lot of people thought new mutants was going to give us it's horror films set in the in the x-men universe and it turns out that it wasn't really but the people were excited by the idea of seeing something they love which is a comic book film and x-men apart from the last few films but go in a different direction in a different genre that excites me about most ips you know, give me something, give me, give me something I know, but change it up a bit. Uh, you know, we didn't get that of New Mutants, and whether we'll get that of Harry Potter, I think HBO will probably play it safe though. Do give us something that people could just cling on to and feel familiar with. But um, uh, do you have any more to add on Harry Potter, my friend? Before we move on, no, no, I'm good. No, so uh, Achio and Expelliarmus and all that. Uh, that, to that segment. So we're going to move on to media consumption. Now, when as the title suggests, it's the media that we have consumpted during the week, the media we've consumed for the last week. Uh, so movies, 
TVs, uh, video games, music, podcasts, which are ours, and anything else that we use to pass the time between episodes. And John has always got a massive selection. So, John, what have you been checking out this last week? Well, um, my my favorite to listen to podcast is the Blank Check with Griffin and David. And this week they uh, finally reviewed the Robert Zemeckis film Welcome to Marwin. There's one Zemeckis film left for them to review. Um, it was surprising, to be honest, of an episode because David uh, was actually defending Marwin. Not saying that it's a great movie, just that it's it's crazy that it exists. It's crazy in a lot of ways. Um, I, the movie felt totally crazy. And since I saw it in theaters, I've, I've only seen it in theaters and then I listened to the episode, but I've been meaning to watch the documentary Marwin call. I found yeah. out that it's available on movie right now. And also if you, uh, canopy, if your local library has a canopy, uh, subscription, you can check it out, uh, for free, um, on the service. So I watched it on movie, uh, because one of the perks of being a college professor is I get a free account uh, with movie. Um, Lucky man. So uh, I, I, I checked that out and it's a really good documentary. Um, there's a, I would kind of wish the script was a little more truthful to the, the, the real life guy. I feel like it, it shelves a few important details about some of his struggles, um, particularly that in welcome to Marwin, he just has like a shoe thing where he, like he wears women's shoes um, but in Marwin Call, he's struggling with wanting to be a full-on cross-dresser and not being comfortable enough to always do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like trimmed out of the character. And I, I don't know what the reason is outside of it. Just maybe very Zemeckis, like, this is not my idea. This is from Blank Check. But Zemeckis likes to latch on to that very one clear visual, like the clock tower. And in this case, the shoes or whatever, you know, it's like, this is the thing I'm going to come back to. Everyone will understand this is that thing. Um, but uh, I've been working through the AFI top 100 list. Um, I've seen 74 of the 100 movies on the list. Um, there's a couple of them that I'm not sure I'm going to actually sit through or not, but I, I am going to make a, a, a pretty strong push here for this year to kind of complete the list as much as possible. Um, with that in mind, I've watched Platoon, which was actually for the movie club podcast, but also on that list. Um, nice. uh, man, that movie, Willem Dafoe, boy, whew, uh, excellent. Um, watch the treasure of the Sierra Madre for the first time. Nice. What did you think uh, of that? I do totally not what I was expecting it to be. I thought it would be like an adventure film with like a treasure map and them trying to go find treasure and not this like exploration of how horrible humanity is. Um, and really, uh, really thought it was great. Um, especially I was extra surprised that Bogart isn't like the clear protagonist, uh, oh, yeah. which was, you know, given his movie stardom, that was shocking to me. Um, watch the best years of our lives. Uh, and it happened one night. I am, I'm working through, uh, I just, if you recall on previous episodes, I was listening to an audiobook. The five came back and I watched the documentary series where that's focused on John Ford, John Houston, um, Frank Capra, George Stevens and William Wyler. So I'm trying to watch some of their movies. Uh, and that's partly why treasure Sierra Madre and the best years of our lives, but also they're on the top 100 list. Um, or at least for sure. No, they both are, both of those are. Um, and then it happened one night is also, which is a Frank Capra rom-com. Um, and my first, uh, viewing of Clark Gable, cause I still have never seen gone with the wind. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have not seen any of his other films. So it was my first time getting to like, see him as a leading man and man dudes, great um 
so i mean i it's so weird coming to like these movies that are like iconic and be like hey do you guys know about this and people of course who do know about it are like yes and then people who don't know about it generally don't want to talk about it because they don't care about old movies and that's where i'm like in the middle right now i'm trying to get caught up on a bunch of old stuff that i've never seen and other people that i talk to are just like yeah yeah whatever dude I'm like, <laughs> We, every time we do those, old, most of the time, we do the old astrology years, sort of the 60s and that. So uh, I think we've had two or, two or three of them. And for the most part, we've been pleasantly surprised, haven't we, by, um, okay, maybe that's our you know film ignorance or, or did we just thought, oh, they may not be quite as good. Or I haven't heard of this film, therefore maybe it's not all that. And it turns out that some of them are really quite good and I'm quite glad that we've done those. But I know what you mean, though, dude, sometimes – the idea of going back to watch an older film can for some reason feel like more of a draining idea than, you know, watching one from like 1993, which is still nearly 30 years ago. Um, yeah, it is. I had to think about that. Um, but no, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to hear, sorry, that you're getting through some of these and, and, and enjoying them as well. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. And um, it's fun to like, exp- I've been really into like exploring history a lot more than I ever was. And so, uh, jumping into those older films are exciting for that reason. Um, and then I've been, uh, I've, I've mentioned on the show that I played magic, the gathering um, with, I, I, it's been a, a little hard the last year because of the pandemic. We couldn't play socially. Luckily there is the online version. The MTG arena is what I generally play. There is MTGO, which is not as functional or as inexpensive to play. But um, I've been playing Arena a bit, and I started playing the Pokemon TCG because that has an app on my phone. Um, and uh, you can also pretty much play it for free, um, if especially if you're willing to. You can buy, like, a starter deck for pretty cheap, and then from there you can win coins and stuff. And it's it's uh, it's fun, something to do to pass the time. Um, started a new audiobook. This is book number three audiobook, and I am still re- very slowly reading an actual book, but that seems to be... Uh, much more problematic, but I started, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Poehler's yes, please from, I think 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and the audiobook's great because not only is she reading the book, but she has some, uh, guests come on. Um, I think so far Kathleen Turner, uh, Carol Burnett and, um, Seth Myers have all been on, uh, in the audiobook as well, which is unusual. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed what I've heard so far of that. I think I'm like maybe three or four chapters in. And then, uh, to make sure I saw it before we recorded, I watched WandaVision episode three this morning. Um, I'm really feeling this show, man. I think they're doing a really good job of making it interesting. Uh, it's definitely picking up the pace. I think episode three definitely showed that they're going to maybe, uh, it's not going to drag out to the end of the season with the, the what's going on scenario that's built into the story. Um, so I'm excited. I'm hoping episode four will really reveal something because it still is just hinting at, but it's uh I think episode three goes a long way to really start to like Wanda is questioning things in a in a cool way without I'm I'm dancing around anything that would be a spoiler. So uh but I, I find the show uh it looks great. Um the effects are really solid and uh the there's like three minutes of credits or something because there's so many people working on the visual effects. So they didn't like okay. go cheap for this series, which is refreshing because you know a lot of times um and they could have gone a lot cheaper. Like there's a few things they do that they probably didn't need to do that has to add to the visual effects budget. And yet it's cool that they did it. Like it, especially with vision, cause you could just have Paul Bettany and that just be the thing, but he's constantly like vision. And so 
that's visual effects they don't have to do. You could totally just have him be Paul Bettany and we would just accept it because of the, the framing of the story. But no, no, he jumps back and forth between Vision frequently. So it's like, cool. I like that because that's much more comic book-like than just suddenly having Paul Bettany there the whole time. So, um, But yeah, if you haven't checked out WandaVision, uh, listeners and Matt, I do say oh. check it out. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel seen by this now. I promise, I promise I will watch, and I said it last week, but I promise I will watch it uh, this week because I've, everything you said I've heard again the internet is doing from what I've seen from what I've seen the internet is doing very well at not spoiling the show yeah, I've seen a lot of reactions which is exactly what you've just said that the first two were, were were good and the third one is picking things up and there's reveals in it which will start to potentially open up this kind of like whoa where we got this darker mystery but I still have no idea and I'm not openly avoiding spoilers necessarily I don't want to know what happens because I will want to watch it but I haven't come across any where we've Mandalorian and that you couldn't even log on because you couldn't log online with like suicide going on social media. But so it, that may just be my experience and I imagine it probably just is. Um, but I will watch it because I know there are not very long episodes and this time next week, I'll be able to, I'll be able to give you my thoughts on the first uh, four episodes of one division. So hopefully, I, hopefully again, I haven't been overly interested in watching it because I don't like it, but I don't have that connection with the MCU characters that I do with um, any other franchise, really. Not because I don't don't like them, but um, I said before, a lot of the time I, I watch a Marvel film, I, I watch it at the cinema, I will love it, and then I will leave the theatre and I'll carry on doing whatever I was doing. Kind of that, that's kind of the vibe I get from it. I really like it when I watch it, but then I don't know, never really revisit them. Like I said, the most. But to be fair, I do that in most films actually, but. Um, but then again, but when I saw Infinity and Endgame in theatres, that was like ridiculous how much fun I had with those films. So um, I will watch One Division, my friend. I promise you on that. Um, but me, I have been uh, getting more on film this week. I've been try- check, trying to check out as many new releases as possible. So whereas last year, uh, John and myself both felt had, had kind of like movie fatigue, despite there not being any films coming out it's kind of you i saw i speak more for myself kind of kind of it's like these films are coming out streaming like, i don't really want to watch this i'm not really feeling the the urge to watch this anymore uh or at the minute and then at the end of the year it's like crap i've got to do a 2020 recap <laughs> i need to watch like 20 films in five days so i'm gonna try and avoid it as much as possible and um so i've started 2021 with about 10 films maybe and this week i watched uh on netflix outside the wire with Anthony Mackie, and it was awful. Oh. I watched Locks Down, which is an HBO Max film and Sky over here, ah. and I didn't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and this is coming off the back of watching a few good films in a row, like really thumbs-up kind of films, and I saw those two uh, one after the other, and I was like, Jesus, God, this is why I didn't watch films so much last year. But yeah, Outside the Wire, it's just, it's just generic, cheesy Netflix sci-fi crap basically it, it is that it is just like it's got netflix written all over it it just feels and looks like a netflix film like a dime a dozen one they throw out a few times a year lockdown i love anne hathaway um but uh, it's just not good it's far too long as well it wasn't very funny um i watched pieces of a woman speaking of netflix the vanessa kirby shy film and uh I really liked Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn's performance in this film. I thought they were magnificent. Shia LaBeouf had, was extremely uncomfortable to watch some of the stuff he does in the film, uh, given the recent news about him. But um, 
I like the first half of Pieces of Woman, and then the second half, well, not quite so much. It was fine. Um, the first half is like generally horrifying, um, but it's captivating. So I liked Pieces of a Woman. I watched Shadow in the Cloud, Chloe Grace Moretz uh, film. Roseanne Liang directs it. It's a World War Two feminist action film about uh, well, a woman, yeah, stuck on a plane with like horrible, filthy dogs of men. There's a literal gremlin, a natural gremlin trying to get in. It's like um, that Simpsons episode where there's a gremlin on the bus, the Halloween episode, which is based on something else I can't remember. So there's that, and um, and she's got something she needs to transport somewhere, and there's this kind of like mystery, which turns out to be, well, it's not particularly very good mystery. And as I put in my reviews, the film isn't great. There's no way am I going to sit here and say this is a good film. But I had so much fun with it. It's proper kind of cheesy B-movie goodness. Um, and I got to see Chloe Grace Moritz beat the living hell out of a gremlin. So my 2021 has been made. I reckon come this oh. time next year, I'll still be talking about that. But um, And I watched Malcolm and Marie uh, on Netflix as well. And uh, again, the embargo's out, so, but no spoilers. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a bit monotonous. It got a bit, um, very, got a bit stagey at times, kind of like, well, you say this, now you say something. Uh, now you give you, you give me five minutes of angry dialogue. Now you get now now you return with five minutes out, and it went like that an awful lot, like back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, and it got a bit kind of like once somebody finished speaking, I knew what was going to happen. Somebody else would step up, but Zendaya and JDW are very good. You know, really are. I saw people saying how good they were, especially Zendaya. Um, so I went in with that knowledge, and she is really good in this film. She's really very good in this film. John David Washington's always good. So Malcolm and Marie, check it out. It's not for everyone. It's dividing a lot of people, especially film critics, because the film is calling out film critics. Like not, it's not subtle whatsoever, but apparently it's based on Sam Levinson's experience with a film critic, which now knowing that, which I didn't know before, kind of t- uh, tempers my kind of like liking for the film. Now it just seemed more like a bratty retort. But, um, so I've seen those. So mostly, well, I don't know, kind of half good, half not. Nothing that really stood out was excellent, though. I thought Pieces of Woman was going to for half of it. Um, I've been listening to Nightmare on Film Street podcast. I listen to them most weeks. It's bi-weekly. It's usually kind of a versus. The the hosts take two horror films, similar horror films or or a similar vibe. Uh, Kind of discuss them and compare them at the end. Always good fun, especially if you like horror. Um, And I've been uh, inspired by Burke, um, Roger E. Burke over there. Um, Uh, Listen to some audio books audio books i um i i wanted to listen to more film based audio books so i only ever listened to star wars ones because i'm a basic but i wanted to listen to more about film you know, kind of like uh, where me and john were speaking off air and that just like you know the art of film and whether it's writing or making just kind of like getting a deeper greater appreciation so i sort of dabbled my feet in at the most obvious places so i listened to mark commode commode on film audio book pretty much just an amalgamation of the radio show and the things that he did. It's about a year or two old now, but I like Mark Commode an awful lot. He's inspired me to do this in the first place. Um, so that was fun. But I've also started one called Bet It's uh, like Comic Book Guy, Best Movie Year Ever. And it's all about 1999, the year which we, oh. again, we covered that on astrology and we both said that like, this is a watershed moment in film. It's all about the impact that year had on film. Like all of, all of the films that came out, um, obviously the the impact they've had on film for how good they were or how bad, 
the technology that was used, the pop culture references. Uh, it, it's, I'm only about 20 minutes in, so I literally only started it. But I'm in, man. I'm in. You know, it's, they, they interview Ahmed Bestar, buddy. They interview the guys from the Blair Witch Project, people involved with The Matrix, people involved with uh, The Phantom Menace. And it's just, it, you kind of look back at that year and, like, we again, shameless plug, but who cares? It's me and John. We do it. It's a great show on astrology. We went through 1999 and even we, we were just like, this could be the best year ever in film. I think we were both really up on that year, weren't we? Oh yeah, big time. And I actually, um, the author of that book, I believe was a guest on the, uh, Battleship Pretension movie podcast. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's hard not to, you can just look at the year and just see all of the crazy movies that came out that year. It's, it's just a fantastic year. Um, and again, it has had a lasting effect on the industry, whether for better or worse, I guess is debatable, but, um, like it's hard to like look at a movie like the matrix and not see how it's influenced so many films that have come after it, but. Yeah, well, hopefully by this time next week, I'll be able to tell you I've read it all and it's really quite good. Um, but so far, so good. And what can't be good about a book about um, a seminal year in film? But if anybody has any audiobook recommendations for uh, audiobooks based on film, like behind the scenes, the art of film, like film history, blah, blah, please do send them our way because we're film fans and we'd like to uh, add them to our growing list. But that's what we've been consuming uh, in the past week in pop culture and I'm sure you'd agree that was a bloody awesome list and we're a couple of bloody awesome guys but it's not always like that you know we've got to always we've got to stay bloody awesome we've got to find ways to maintain these levels and you know we can't just you know go and get adamantium pumped into our veins we can't tap into the cosmic force no no we have to we have to find other ways to stay bloody awesome so each week we uh we let each other know what we've been doing to keep ourselves going, to keep those levels as high as they have to be to maintain to the bloody awesome persona. So, JB, what on earth have you been doing the last week to keep the levels up? Well, uh, my wife bought a like outside patio swing, you know, like a like a bench yeah. chair that swings. Um, it was normally like a three hundred dollars swing where she works, and it went on sale for fifty bucks. So we bought it. Now the downside is we bought it in a box, unassembled. And I'm not great at putting things together, but I had to, I had to do it. And four hours, a lot of swear words and uh, <laughs> much frustration later, it did get assembled. Um, it, it is, it is still standing. So that's a good sign. Uh, have not swung in it myself yet. Um, but I was like, I was just like, I'm never sitting in the stupid chair. My, my, I don't know for sure what I did, but like the, where your fingernails are the knuckle right b- below the fingernail are like all like red and like beat up from like, I guess tightening the, the screws or I don't, I don't really know if like what happened, but it was also, uh, I mentioned the weather earlier. It was very, very hot outside the day I decided to assemble the swing. So like I have the sun beating down on me. I'm like dripping sweat. It looked like I was working out again. Like I worked out that morning, came home, showered, was in normal clothes. And I was like, okay, she's going to do yard work. I'm going to put the swing together for her because you know, she really wants the swing. She's wanted one of these for a long time. And this was like such a good deal. Um, so it was like, it's great. I'm glad it's assembled, but boy, uh, Sunday afternoon, I was so frustrated, um, because of it. And it was just like, all right, fine. Uh, stupid swing. Um, and it is some, like some things baffle me when they, they make parts, where it is like impossible to get the tool in 
to yes. tighten the screw. And it's like, why do you make it like that? Make it where you can actually tighten the screw. <laughs> like You literally have to have no bones in order to kind of bend your hand around to tighten it. Yes. And I'm just like, wh- why do you make it like this? And then they have all these pre-drilled holes, but some of the, they're not, they're not quite lined up perfectly. It's like, you know, um, it was uh, things like that were like really frustrating. I mean, the only thing we still have not done, it has a uh, cover. Cause it's like, it's not, um, it's like freestanding. So you can move it around and whatever. And it has like a awning or something that goes above it. And the awning, we cannot get it to pull all the way down. So like, it's not fully attached. Um, it's like, we've, we were tugging on it, tugging on it and just will not wrap all the way around to like, actually, uh, it's got like this industrial strength Velcro that you have to connect, but we can't get the Velcro to connect around the, the frame. And it's man, um, I'm going to have to try again. It's already starting to like, come undone from like the wind um but uh i'm hoping that maybe after it's stretched for like a day that it'll we'll be able to pull it or something also i'm like maybe i'm just tired because i've been you know trying to move this for four hours maybe i just need to let my strength read recoup but that was a staying bloody awesome is you know pushing yourself like it's easy to to pay someone to to assemble something and maybe it will be done properly but why not screw it up yourself right i mean put it together yourself you know goddamn right homer simpson would be proud man there it is Oh man, I, I remember something Sim and I put up when daughters got caught when she was a uh, when she was a baby, um, and for England that was probably the hottest day I've ever had. And we don't have aircon over here, so I, I I remember putting it up. And the same as you, you get these crappy instructions. They don't tell you what to do. It's just an image of a part. Don't tell you which way it's got to go. And an arrow, like put this part here. And um, it's an IKEA jobby, so it's all completely all flat pack. And I, I just remember saying, uh, can somebody go to the shop and get me some beer? It was like that. Like you, I was sweating, uh, absolutely sweating, sun beating down, trying to get this bloody bed, which had to be done, obviously, because Olivia needed to sleep somewhere. Um, and nothing was working. Nothing was going right. And it is the combination of heat, sweat, and fury at these awful instructions. So oh, I feel oh. you, man. But it's a, you know, it's a manly thing to do in your back garden, dude. Yeah, well, you know what the instructions, by the way, that you bring that up, they were, you can't even call them. They were pictures. That was yeah, it. Yeah. There wasn't even like words of like first do this because that I started with, an arrow. right. Yes, I started with the A frames like for the sides, thinking okay, and then clearly the the center bar will go on top of this, right? No, you have to wedge them in at first. Like so, like the 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 bar that goes across the top has to be wedged between the frames, which it does not say in the picture it just shows the stupid uh, uh, so many so many frustrations yeah uh, they come on people at least give us some steps you know number the steps in which we should be doing things because that would help tremendously it's my favorite part is hearing J- jb get is it annoyed now as he probably was oh, doing that but it's a, it's a it's a thing that we do isn't it we we start we swear we sweat at some point we give up but somehow it still manages to get done so, um, well done i feel your pain man Yes, thank um, you. Mine was a lot less uh, challenging, really. I just sat on my backside and did it. But mine is just simply, and it's something we've spoken about, but it's writing. Um, I mentioned the funk. I'll speak for myself with the funk that was in last year when it's lockdown life, isn't it? You've got, it's just trying to battle through, firefight through every day in this uh, crappy situation we all find ourselves in. There wasn't, there was the cinematic experience. The fun of going to the movies was gone. As, as it still is, at the time we were kind of served with these rather naff streaming films, um, which weren't stirring the um, getting the pulse going. And 
you know, as film critics, we, as we are, you know, we still need to have some kind of like stimulation in terms of the films we're receiving. Uh, not every film, not every critic, not even Mark Komodo himself. I'm sure even he thinks, you know what? I could really do with not watching that today, but he'll do it anyway. Um, so I was watching films, but never really writing about them or even reacting to them online. You know, I come on the BAMP here and mention them, but that was about as far as it'd go. Whereas before, I kind of write a lot more. So this year, I've kind of uh, I've changed up the template in which I do it to make it more well, tolerable. Well, not going to dislike doing it because that's that's doing a disservice. But it's just like with everything going on in life at the minute, it's just hard to find that time to really bash out five, six, for me, five, six, seven reviews. I mean, I've just mentioned five films in media consumption. Yeah. Writing five reviews about that whilst uh, homeschooling at home, finding time for myself in terms of like just relaxing, switching off for the for mental health and all. Uh, and also just enjoying things. You can't enjoy what you're doing. So I've changed my format for smaller reviews and it seems to be working. So I've got the, kind of got the writing bug back again. I like putting things out and hope and hoping that you know people agree with me and if they don't, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of finding what started all this off really, because before I met John online, I was just right putting reviews out. And then John sent me a message to jump on the, jump on the top five movies. And that started the podcast game off. And at a time they were going hand in hand. And then I found I was much more enjoying jumping on and talking to people like every week me and John come on here and we have a great chat about film on air and off air. It's great. Um, and I like that an awful lot. And it, you know, I was enjoying that more than I was writing, but now I've kind of got back into it. Smaller reviews, but they're still, still going out. Um, we'll see how long it lasts. So again, who knows how long we're going to be in lockdown here in the UK. It's going to be at least three months. So, um, but I'm enjoying it so far, man. Hey, that's great, man. I, I, I might follow suit, uh, and try to do some of the similar, uh, restructuring of the writing. Cause definitely, um, find it hard to write about every single movie at this point and even finding the motivation to write about every single movie is not always easy. No, exactly. And it's like I said, every single one can be tough, but it's wanted to kind of have that output still. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to reading John's stuff. And if you haven't, we'll give those links out shortly, but that is that then for this episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast, the white tiger review again, go check it out. We both thought it was, at worst, just decent. At best, pretty good, actually. Uh, but go check it out it's on Netflix for everyone to see, as long as you've got that subscription. Uh, we'll be back again next week, where we're going to be reviewing The Little Things, starring Denzel, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. Uh, hoping for good things, but we'll see. Uh, but if you like what you've just heard, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, John? And on Instagram, we're Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. If Facebook's your jam, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, search us and you'll find us on there. You can find me online at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And John? Um, I am at BurkeReviews.com uh, and uh, social media is just at BurkeReviews. Drop the dot com. Check it out. If not, we're coming after you. If you like, also if you like what you've just heard, and you have a spare minute or two, please do consider leaving us a a good review, a five star rating on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, it, it draws more listeners into the show, which we love doing. It also means we get to chat with more people as well socially. So uh, that would be a blessing for us and for your ears too. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, blood.
blab, blab.